0: I wonder how they think the niggas made, make it. How come the niggas are still here? But then again, I don't think they dare to think of that. No, I'm fairly certain they don't think of that at all. Lord, I with the alabaster lady of the house, with Beulah. Beulah about 60, built in four square, Biceps like Muhammad Ali. She at the stove, fixing biscuits, scrambling eggs and bacon, fixing coffee, pouring juice, and the lady of the house. She say, "She don't know how she get along without Beulah." And Beulah just silently grunts. I reckon you don't, and keeps on keeping on. And the lady of the house say, "She's just like one of the family." And Beulah turns, gives me a look, sucks her teeth and rolls her eyes in the direction of the lady's back and keeps on keeping on. While they are containing Russia and entering onto the quicksand of China and patronizing Africa and calculating the Caribbean plunder and the South China sea booty, the niggas are aware that no one has discussed anything at all with the niggers. Well, niggas don't own nothing. Got no flag. Even our names are hand downs and you don't change that by calling yourself X. Sometimes that just makes it worse. Like obliterating the path that leads back to whence you came. Into where you can begin. And anyway, none of this changes the reality, which is, for example, that I do not want my son to die in Guantanamo or anywhere else for that matter, serving the stars and stripes. I've seen some stars, I got some stripes. Neither, incidentally, has anyone discussed the bomb with the niggers. The incoherent feeling is the less the nigga knows about the bomb, the better. The lady of the house smiles nervously in your direction, as though she had just been overheard discussing family or sexual secrets, and changes the subject to education, or full employment, Or the welfare rose. The smile saying, don't be dismayed. We know how you feel. You can trust us. Yeah, I would like to believe you. But we are not talking about belief. Staggerly Wonders by James Baldwin Imagine a nation whose independence can't be celebrated by all of its residents and citizens. Imagine a country whose independence only means freedom for a select few and the oppression of the rest. Now imagine America, a country built on the stolen lands of native indigenous peoples, a nation built on the bloody backs of enslaved Africans. 89 years passed before a freed America saw a fit to free everyone who inhabited its land. That's 89 4th of July celebrations. Black people had to watch in captivity, only imagining what freedom could possibly feel like. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights... as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. My people, it is time that we put America on the stand. In his farewell address, George Washington even warned of the dangers of creating political parties and factions, advising against division and advising for unity and togetherness. He also warned us about getting in other countries' business and getting entangled with the issues of other nations. Now, look at us on our motherfucking ass. Already dealing with systemic racism, minority oppression, and police brutality. But hey, what the hell? Let's throw a global pandemic in the mix just for kicks and giggles. What are we celebrating today, guys? Really? What you heard earlier was from the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. Your founding fathers saying that if they fuck up, you have the power to shut that shit the fuck down and begin anew. Now, as of September 2019, there were 224 state-level ballot-qualified political party affiliates in the United States, which I'm assuming means that in September of last year, 224 people associated with somebody's political party were eligible and qualified to run for office in election. How they select who of them gets to actually make it onto the ballot, I don't know. Maybe a raffle, or big ass tic-tac-toe tournament, tug of war. I wouldn't put the trivial shit past them. Now, some parties are recognized in multiple states, a few of those being the Libertarian Party, Socialist, Green, and Constitution Party. Then you have the main two and most powerful political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, which are recognized in all 50 states and ultimately account for 102 of the 224 total state-level parties. See, the thing is, today everything is political, yet nothing is political. It's all a social club. Everyone has their own group, their own agenda, and their own idea of how America should be and who it should be for. Instead of highlighting important issues, the issue becomes a religion. It becomes an idea you must identify with, and you cannot identify with anything else. It separates more than it joins together, and it divides more than it multiplies. Anytime one party begins to grow too radical, or too conservative, liberal, or whatever, people pack their bags and go create a new party which they feel comfortable with and is essentially an idea of an idea. How could we ever be led astray? Apparently, it all makes sense. But apparently not. See, even back in the late 1700s, as America was taking its first breath of life as a new and established country, your founders, they knew. On Saturday. June 2nd, 1787, Ben Franklin skeptically took to the floor of the Constitutional Convention, fearing that greed-driven competition for the presidency would divide the new American government into factions. He rightfully warned, there are two passions which have a powerful influence on the affairs of men. These are ambition and avarice, the love of power and the love of money place before the eyes of such men a post of honor that shall be at the same time a place of profit, and they will move heaven and earth to obtain it. Not long afterwards, James Madison weighed in by saying that if left unchecked, our civilized societies will be divided into different sects, factions, and interests, of rich and poor, debtors and creditors, the inhabitants of this district or that district, the followers of this political leader or that political leader, the disciples of this religious sect or that religious sect. In all cases where a majority are united by a common interest or passion, the rights of the minority are in danger. Those slaves at the time, the words they spoke resonate loudly with the world and America of today. Definitely something we should all be discussing as a nation. And on this 244th birthday of the United States, the conversation has been started. If We Must Die by Claude McKay If we must die, let it not be like hogs hunted and penned in an inglorious spot. While round us bark the mad and hungry dogs making their mock at our accursed lot. If we must die, oh, let us nobly die so that our precious blood may not be shed in vain. Then even the monsters we defy shall be constrained to honor us though dead. O oh, kinsmen, we must meet the common foe. Though far outnumbered, let us show us brave. And for their thousand blows, deal one death blow. But though before us lies the open grave. Like men we will face the murderous cowardly pack. Pressed to the wall, dying, but fighting back. Now I can't possibly speak on the fraudulence of American independence and not mention our trusty military. Even while facing the adversity in our communities and the white supremacy in our own country, the black American has still shown it in their hearts to serve a country that has yet to serve them. We served while we were still in bondage, before we had any freedom. We served before Jim Crow, during Jim Crow, and after Jim Crow. We served while being lynched burned alive and raped. We serve while a defeated South still waves its Confederate flag and continue to serve during police brutality and the systematic genocide of our people. Should we not even that loyal or forgiving to ourselves, yet we somehow are able to continuously fight for a country who has spent the last 400 odd years waging war on us. Well, I know y'all have been waiting for me to say it. The 400 years are over. Wake up, people. The black man and woman does not belong and never belong in a white man's army. They promised us freedom, but did not free us, only gave us the illusion of freedom. During the time of the American Revolution, around 9,000 enslaved Africans became black patriots as between 200 to 250,000 soldiers and militia served in American cause. That would mean black soldiers made up approximately 4% of the Patriots' forces. And of those 9,000, 5,000 were combat-dedicated troops. In layman's terms, the sole purpose was to fight and die. Being that slavery would still be around for almost another 100 years, I can kind of see why blacks would want to sacrifice themselves on the battlefield. Shit, might as well die as a soldier Instead of a slave, right? But see, me personally I say fuck all them sons of bitches Let them white folks die by them motherfucking selves. But then again, like I say If I knew I was probably gonna die as a slave I would've went on and joined that war But I would've convinced all of my black battalion To shoot the fuck out of all them Whole ass motherfuckers, man Patriots, red coats Nigga, I don't care You're not going to use me as no human shield or no damn cannon fodder. See, both parties in that war was my enemy. Both parties in that war used us as slaves, killed us, did not see us as humans. So what the fuck y'all think? Now, the Americans won, and did blacks finally see freedom? No. No, we did not. Which finally brings me to the Great American Civil War where a large contingent of African-Americans served in the Union Army, 7,122 officers, 178,975 enlisted soldiers, and approximately 20,000 black sailors serving in the Union Navy, forming a large percentage of many ships' crews. Again, mainly used on the front lines of the most deadly battles and sent out to ultimately die in service. This becoming a trend or tradition, if you will, to this day in the American military, But studies show that black troops are more likely to be sent to areas where combat is most likely to happen. I guess they think that if it's only one thing that blacks know how to do, it's how to die. Unfortunately, these don't even scratch the surface in comparison to all of the atrocities this military has committed. We know and have at least heard of multiple military experiments done on U.S. soldiers and citizens. I know you heard of the infamous Tuskegee Experiments, but the purpose of this study was to observe the natural history of untreated syphilis conducted between 1932 and 1972. All in collaboration with the United States Public Health Service and Tuskegee University, a historically black college in Alabama, then the Tuskegee Institute. Have you ever been to one of their football games? They got mad school spirit. Truly a sight to see. Though among Tuskegee, he also had many others, from mustard gas research to Operation Delirium and the Edgewood Arsenal human experiments. From stem cell research, biological, chemical, and psychological warfare, the military has been known to ruthlessly conduct experiments on the unbeknownst American population. Though, as gruesome and horrible these experiments and studies may have been, Is still only a piece to the ugly military puzzle. Let's talk about the women and sexual assault in the United States military. At least 25% of women serving in the U.S. military have been sexually assaulted and up to 80% have been sexually harassed. A 2011 report found that women in the United States military were more likely to be raped by fellow soldiers than they were to be killed in combat. Don't worry, I'm going to say it again. A 2011 report found that women in the United States military were more likely to be raped by fellow soldiers than they were to be killed in combat. I still don't think, I, I don't think y'all are hearing what I'm saying or what I just said. A 2011 report found that women in the United States military were were more likely to be raped by fellow soldiers than they were to be killed in combat. Now, I know. It's 2011. It's 2020 right now. But has there been any change? I don't think so. This is ridiculous. How are you more in danger in the military from your own comrades your own fellow soldiers how is it more dangerous to be in the military from your own See, oh my goodness y'all does that make any kind of sense to y'all I can't fathom how that makes any sense how is that right For you to be more likely to be raped by fellow soldiers than you were to be killed in combat. Oh my goodness. You mean to tell me you got bullets flying at you, bombs and shit going on on the side of you left and right. But before you get killed in the motherfucking service, in combat, you're more likely to be raped by your fellow soldiers? (sighs) A new survey of active duty troops has found that the number of sexual assault in the U.S. military rose 38% from 2016 to 2018. The Defense Department's fiscal 2018 report on sexual assault in the military found that roughly 20,500 service members experienced sexual assault, up from an estimated 14,900 in 2016. These numbers come from survey results of Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps personnel. Needless to say, that in 2018, only a third of all sexual assaults in the U.S. military were reported. Which is not surprising, since 43% of the women who did report say that they had negative experience in doing so. See, in nearly 90% of cases, that's almost 100. In nearly, almost, in nearly 90% of cases, the assailant was another service member, and in 62 of cases, 62% of the cases... They're also acquaintances of the victim. Perpetrators tended to be between the ranks of E3 and E5, with most being the same grade or slightly higher than a victim's rank. Now, check this shit out Junior enlisted women were at the highest risk for sexual assault. According to the report, the national odds that a woman will be sexually assaulted in her lifetime are 1 in 17. I mean, if you're not in the military, if you're just a regular woman, 1 in 17 chances you're going to be sexually assaulted. Hmm. But, for young military women ages 17 to 20, that ratio goes from 1 in 17 to 1 in 8. 1 in 8 and for the 21 of 24-year-olds, it's one in 11. I mean, as a woman, you already got a high chance of being sexually assaulted, but once you go into military, your, your chances skyrocket. How is that okay? How is that right? I just want to know. Young, proud women of the military. Did your military recruiter or anybody at all for that matter speak to you about the risks and ultimate dangers of being a woman in the service? And no, I'm not asking if you already had some type of idea or concern before enlisting. I am asking if women like Vanessa Guyon and Lavina Johnson knew that once they put that uniform on, they were susceptible to being assaulted, abused, raped, bludgeoned to death, and then discarded off like nothing happened. Did they know that the true enemy they were facing were their comrades and superiors? Or did they go in dumb, naive, and hopeful that they were doing something great for their country? Why shouldn't you celebrate the Fourth of July? I don't like that question. It's something that you must ask and decide for yourself. Instead, I'll tell you why I don't celebrate American independence, and I'll tell you why I haven't for the last eight years. It all begins with the American dream, and the fact that, well, I've never had that dream. I was too busy disassociating myself with some fantasy and accepting what my reality in this country actually was. That in America, I am a nigga and I have no place on this land that I may feel safe at and that I can call my own. That was it, the truth. A reality that I realized I soon had to accept if I ever wanted to truly deny it. Let us be clear in our judgments and understanding. We were brought here as slaves, as free resources for another people on another land. Not looked at as humans or even animals, but tools property. If that's our introduction to this country, how else can the story go? Read the Bible. It tells you, given the illusion of freedom, denied the right to live at peace, hunted like wild animals and game for sport, given new man-made diseases and viruses that never existed before, yeah, sounds about right. I just can't find myself celebrating another country's independence with a people we've never had a trusted relationship with. There's always deception, greed, lies, and blood involved in the dealings of the white man. I, quite frankly, am sick and tired of it. I want change. You should too. And part of that begins with denouncing this country, its past and present actions, its principles, ideas, and its systems. My fellow citizens, revolutionaries and liberators, we cannot And we must not underestimate our power to inspire and spark great, necessary change. We also must not underestimate the power of the collective consciousness, the power of a battered and oppressed people organized and united by one mission, the equal achievement of life, freedom, peace, and happiness for all people. We have been in pursuit of this dream for 244 years. When will we finally see it? When will America truly be great? When will its people truly be free? This has been 1619 Radio, and I'm your host, Robert McDonald Jr. Peace, love, and prosperity to all of my people. And remember, don't search for a brighter tomorrow. Instead, fight for a brighter day. Thanks for listening.